Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired entertainment podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Oh, go on, my family, family, le-le-le-le-le. No, it's not no, a thing I would do, try and preach. A family, le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le. <laughs> That's hilarious. Guys, it's your boy Mario Evan, and you are listening to Talk Trud. And guess what? We reached episode number six. And you know our theme is Inspire Edutainment. And this episode, I'm pulling it right back to me. This one is going to be a solo podcast. And it's going to be one that I hope will inspire and motivate you. And the topic today is my life with people. And not people, human beings, but I did a play on words and I came up with an acronym that is PPIL. So it's more like my life with people. And PPIL stands for four things that I kind of use as cornerstones to guide me on my journey. And that is passion, purpose, impact, and legacy. And it's kind of weird how I stumbled upon PPIL because really it came out of me being asked to come to many schools and speak to students at different levels about following their dreams and their passions. And truthfully, the only reason I ever got called into a school, I think, is because people knew that I did two careers. You know, that I was a doctor and a musician. And for some reason, that was compelling to them. And strangely, the two things that I probably battle with the most in my mind have been such an important two things in my brand and and in allowing me to grow and expand as an individual. So I'm dedicating this episode really to everyone out there who has been lost, who is lost, who still feels lost, who is working in a job that they don't like, who have to, who has to um really wake up after alarm number six to really drag themselves to that job that they don't like and who just really hasn't figured out what it is in their life that they really want to do that they really love and that they'd want to spend the rest of these years doing so this episode is dedicated to you and the way how i'm going to do it is that i'm gonna go through each one and i really want to define it a formal definition I want to share with you how I have been discovering this particular cornerstone, as I've called it. And then I want to share with you a quote to inspire you. And then I'm going to give you some questions to ask yourself in order to really ascertain where you are in this journey. So let's start with passion. And the definition of passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion. Um, can you imagine what that feels like? What am I passionate about that's strong and barely controllable? And I mean, most of you know this already, but entertainment, uh, not just music, all of the arts I feel this way about. They, they, they ignite me. They ignite me in a way that I can't really even articulate in words sometimes. But I know that when music is playing, I have to dance. When I hear a rhythm, I have to sing. I love a photograph. I love aesthetic. I love everything that falls within the realm of creativity. And if I were to ask myself, how did I find my passion? I think 
it would be free for me to say that my passion always lived inside of me. And I really always question every day if we develop a passion or whether you're born with the passion already inside of you. And that's so debatable. But if I track back to my childhood, it really is strange ironic that there is no time in my life that I could tell you that I had wanted to be a doctor. And if you had asked me, being a doctor was never an answer. I remember wanting to be an entertainment coordinator after going to hotels and seeing playmakers wake up and just bustle out with all this energy and they would play sports and they would dance and they would sing and they would dance in the disco and then they would go to bed and then the next morning they were back again. I mean, they were like real life energizer bunnies. I had no idea how they were capable of doing it. But to me, it seemed like such an attractive career. <laughs> and I also remember having this desire to run a hotel for little people, by little people. Because for some reason, I thought that children could um, run a hotel on their own without adult supervision. Uh, now that I'm an adult, maybe that wouldn't be such a good idea. But at the time, nobody could have told me, say, it couldn't happen. So really what I'm showing you is that I always had a desire for the arts and I always had a desire for entrepreneurship, which is kind of ironic because many years later, that's kind of pretty much what I'm doing now anyway. And my pull for the arts existed in some really unique ways. I remember always loving to learn choreography from music videos. If you think you could have put on Michael Jackson, remember the time Janet Jackson, um, the one, five, four, three, two, one, two, you know what I'm talking about, Rhythm Nation, uh, Aaliyah, Missy Elliott, dance all to like anything that had a mu music video in the childhood years, I would be trying to mimic it. And it was the same thing with vocals. Then came Mariah Carey, then came Boyz II Men, then, then came Brian Knight. And there was no vocal run in any of these songs that I couldn't do. And I mean, I used to watch every music award ceremony. We're talking American Music Awards, the Grammys. And, you know, it's just kind of odd for a child to have a fascination with a music award ceremony. And um, back in the day of VHS, we would tape all of these things. And it's kind of crazy because I used to be fascinated by the lighting, by the choreo, by the background vocals, the band arrangements. And this was even before I could attach names to it. And as we move forward into high school, I joined the Campion College Choir in first form. But you were really supposed to join in third form. But I had a friend who was ahead of me who asked the choir director to let me in. And I stayed in the choir until I was in sixth form. I moved to UA. I joined UA Singers. Um, from Campion College came a group of friends who are my brothers called the Choir Boys. And we had a quintet at the time. And we sang Boys to Men. And we sang group songs. And we would arrange and, and harmonize everything. Um, at that time, TOK existed at Campion as Touch of Quality at first. And then they became TOK. And um, then they moved into dance hall. But they, they started out singing R&B. And they were in the halls of the Campion College Auditorium like us, really. Just displaying a love of the arts. And I mean, even when I had to choose between technical drawing and French for third form, I chose technical drawing because I preferred to draw than to um, learn a language. Uh, in terms of photography, I had a father who always took pictures and he always had cameras. So we were always exposed to him taking pictures and we knew how to use a camera. So even the concepts of composition and rule of thirds and 
exposure were things that we were being taught but not even realizing that that they were being or becoming a part of our creative foundation and i say oh because my, my brother also is very creative and um likewise i believe this was inspiring him as well so the question really is in terms of finding your passion is it really innate or is it based on exposure but whatever it is it ties back to the definition of you that you have a strong and barely controllable emotion towards this particular thing that you really just really want to keep keep doing and I, I, something i like to tell a story i like to tell is really to dispel dispel a public myth about how i became a doctor and a lot of people assume that because you have a parent that is in a profession that they force you to do it i cannot recall any time in my life when my father told me to do medicine i cannot i did sciences and business subjects up to fifth form and when i was about to go into sixth form i had to choose my brother had already done business subjects and he was ahead of me and a wonderful teacher at the time actually told me i think you should do the sciences what i didn't realize at that age was she was probably thinking along the lines of legacy and handing down a private practice to a son and of course i wasn't thinking that at the time uh, i just knew i had the aptitude for sciences and i took her advice and i did it but i think in her mind it was like one of them picked me off of the medicine because it now got dead so so she was looking out for my family and i listened and i followed and that was when the path really kind of went into a pigeonhole because at that point you go to university of the west indies and you do natural sciences and you can become a zoologist or a marine biologist, which were things I had never thought of or cared to do. So then, of course, a natural progression in a very restricted society where your elders encourage you to have stable professions, which include things like medicine and law and engineering. Of course, you choose the one that your father did, because that's the one that's closest to home and that's the one that probably makes the most sense to you. It's not a logical decision. It's a decision based on passage on what is expected on what people do it's almost mindless sadly to sad to say and for my generation that's kind of how a lot of people operated so you know i got into natural sciences which is a degree program and you can get into medicine after a year of natural sciences if you get good grades so me and my crew we were in that library busting our butts trying to get some good grades which i did and um, I came to find out that I got accepted to medicine. And how this happened was I came home from karaoke. Yes, karaoke, how ironic, at the marketplace. And my mom said, the University of the West Indies called. And they called to say that you have gotten into medicine. But not for September coming. You're deferred, which means you're going to start in the following year. Well, you know, every little kid who worked their ass after getting the medicine would be doing 50 million cartwheels. But this boy here was depressed. I was sad. I wasn't happy. And it was weird. You thought I would have been excited about it, but I was not. And it was very fascinating to me that I wasn't excited after I had put so much work in. And then it just spiraled even more because I started to find out the friends who got in and the friends who didn't get in. And... One of my closest friends who also is the child of a doctor didn't get in and she probably had about the same or even slightly better grades than I did. Um, it brought up a conversation as to whether the entry process was fair 
and whether there was connections in play, which I know on my end there were none. And people said mean things. People said stuff like, how come you get in and that person never get in? And um, people did it in very brutal and direct ways and they thought it was appropriate. And I, I remember driving on the road that same night and I cried. My ball, my ball, my ball, my ball, my ball, my ball. Because I felt, I don't know, I felt really bad about it. Um, especially because at the core of it, I think I had realized that I had this strong love for music, even though I didn't know how it would manifest. And that maybe at the core of it, somebody else wanted this more than I did. Anyway, I've gotten into medicine and I have a year off, quote unquote, a gap year, a forced gap year. And I am working at the Ministry of Local Government, Youth and Community Development. And guess what I end up doing? Working in events. I'm helping to plan the Prime Minister's Gala. I'm dealing with artists. I'm paying them their checks. I'm on the back end of events. And I also end up doing the Lion King that year. I become the understudy of Timon. And I'm a chorus member. And then after Lion King, I do Once on This Island, where I actually get paid as an actor to perform and sing. So it's like I'm in medicine and God is giving me this year that is rich with um, experiences in theater and stage and background singing and performance and events. And you're wondering what the hell is going on. So we roll around to September and it's the first day of school and I'm terrified because I'm just really nervous about starting this thing because it's going to be four years. You know, it's going to be five years, actually, um, in total. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? But, you know, I started at 19. So I would have graduated by like 24. And um, I did it. And being the person that I am, I did it and completed it. And while doing it, I was still singing. I was in university singers. I was singing backgrounds. Music was still a big underbelly and undertone in my life. And... Basically, to wrap up the passion thing is that not that you shouldn't do two things, because when I go into the schools, I encourage the students to have duality and however many alities you want to have, however you can juggle it. But I always loved entertainment and I denied it because I wasn't in a space that nurtured it in a way that made you accept that it was something stable to do. Because my parents did allow me to go and play piano. So, you know, I did piano lessons and all these things. So, you know, parents do all these things and they try to nurture little things that they see in the children. But the overall culture of Jamaica has never really nurtured the creative in a way where they're made to feel stable. And maybe that's a reality of creativity. But either way, here I am now. I'm a doctor. And um, my next step is to specialize. And instead of specializing, I start to do voice lessons with a teacher who tells me about the Berklee College of Music, which I investigate. Because I realize I don't want to move on to specialize because I want to learn more about music. All I've ever really wanted to is to be like Jamaican John Legend, Justin Timberlake. I want to do choreography. I want to make music. I want to tour the world. I want to live my dream. So, you know, your boy start make some little money from medicine. So, you know, who does investigate Berkeley and take up himself, apply, buy a plane ticket, go up there, go audition, come back, may get through with partial scholarship. All of this happened based on my drive and my passion for music. Uh, so that was how I discovered my passion. I think 
I think really the, the turning point for me in terms of it becoming very serious, I think when I was in my second year at Berkeley, I, a friend of mine told me I could use my first and middle name. She said, it has a ring to it. Why you don't call yourself Mario Evan? And I was like, boy, Jamaicans going to add an S to that tonight, going to turn into Mario Evans, going to put her in it, going to be Mario Evans, they're going to butcher it. But she had a British accent and she sounded awesome saying it. And um, I did the name change for, for my stage. And I really started to embrace myself as a creative entity. And then I decided, you know what, I'm Jamaican and I love R&B, so let's create a genre called Reggae Soul. Let's fuse this together. And it just all really started to come into play and into place and everything started to align. And I think at that point, I was sure I wanted to be an artiste. The point where I was sure I wanted to be a performer full-time was in that gap year before medicine when I did The Lion King and I did Once on This Island. When I touched that stage and I did those rehearsals and I learned those songs and I was in that space with all these other creative minds, I was alive. And, and it was a feeling that I had never felt before in that way. And it was a certainty that I had. But again, I'd already gotten into medicine and I decided, you know what, I'm going to finish this thing and I'll figure out the music thing after. So the question I want you to ask yourself is what would you have to do if you didn't have to worry about being paid? Because oftentimes that's something that you'd probably do for the rest of your life. And if you could think back to your childhood, is there anything that you did with reckless abandon that made you so happy? Like if it was drawing or dancing or, or reading comic books, it could be something weird like seasoning chicken. You know, maybe you were supposed to be a chicken seasoner. Maybe you were supposed to be a chef, but you denied it because you were being guided in other more stable directions, really for other people and not for you. But before I move on to the second cornerstone, I want to re read my quote for passion, which I consider the what. And the quote is by Robert Kiyosaki, who is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it says, passion is anger and love combined. And what I love about that quote is that it's so turbulent. You know, it kind of is how passion rumbles in my stomach and in the hearts of everybody who's passionate about someone it's like anger and love and it's so un anger and love combined is just a very unique and specific emotion so i want you to just think about that and if if you don't feel that then maybe it's not something that you're passionate about so so keep that in mind the second cornerstone is purpose and purpose is the why to me and I believe the why is very important because once you figure out what your why is, everything unfolds. And for me, I struggled a long time to figure out my why because our purpose initially is often selfish and not selfless. And by that, I mean, you discover you have a wonderful voice or you have a wonderful talent and you think about what you can gain from it. I'm going to become a mega star like Justin Timberlake. I'm going to tour the world. I'm going to see the world. I'm going to make lots of money and I'm going to be famous and that's probably what we really think about a lot of us won't admit it but there is something very glamorous about that but for me over the years of being an entertainer particularly and even having the prestige of being a doctor because there's a great amount of prestige placed on on doctors and medical people in the Caribbean especially you know doctor is God <laughs> doctor is God in the Caribbean you kind of learn to put a lot of that behind you and really realize that what you should be doing is trying to help other people. And 
for me, I realized that music touched the souls of people. When I would perform in spaces, it would seem like people would forget that they were in. They, they were having a problem, you know, that they were going through a divorce, that they were having a bad day. Because in that moment, it's just me and them having a light moment. And that's one of the healing properties of music. And ironically, as much as I think I lean more to entertainment, the joy I've gotten from medicine is actually having those one-on-one -on -one conversations with people who you impact, you know, like a diabetic who who is learning the beginnings of the disease, how to test themselves, how to figure out where their points of control are, how to taper the diet. Same thing with someone who's hypertensive, someone with HIV, someone who has a question that's medical, that's in my realm and not in theirs. And I can convey to them the science, but in a layman's way, and also really just to make them feel comfortable and most importantly, to make them feel empowered to take control of their health. And that gift all doctors has but have, but I don't know if every patient will connect to every doctor in the same way. And that part is what has really kept me in medicine up until this day because I realize that there is sometimes a very specific and individual connection that you have with people. And that is a gift. Uh, I believe my gift is people. Communication with people. Helping to validate people. Helping them to feel comfortable and free and exist in a very non-judgmental space. Kind of like what Talk Truth is doing. And empowering them to become their authentic selves. And with that, I will share a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson where he says, The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. And I love that quote because happiness is sometimes such a transient thing that, that we, we really fight to try and get. Money cannot buy happiness. Happiness can just really fizzle and it can just wax and wane. But being useful, being honorable, being compassionate, you know, ensuring that you live a good life. These are things that we can actively do every day. And, and God has really given me so many outlets to display my purpose and of helping people. And being a doctor is one. Being a musician is one. Being an MC at events, being on morning TV, being on radio, you know, having this platform of a podcast are all outlets that I've been given and I, I remember a long time ago, I met a girl when I was in Boston in music school. And she said to me, you know, Mario, you're a good musician. You're a good singer. But I don't think that music is the end game. She says that your purpose is that music will be the vehicle for you to help other people. I when it, Trust me, when she said it to me, I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> like, whatever you, whatever. All right. I'm going to be a star. But... You know, you know, many years later, I look back and I, I get it, you know, like she, she saw, she looked right into my soul and she absolutely knew what she was talking about. And here we are many years later. Now we're actually seeing how the purpose can be so separated from the actual tools, which is the passion. So the question I want you to ask yourself is, why do you do what you do? You know, why do you sing? Why do you dance? Why do you do the job that you do? Is it just to pay a bill? You know, why the hell are you on this planet? You know, what? how are you serving the world? Right? And so we're going to move on to cornerstone number three. And that is going to be impact. 
And impact to me is the how, right? And the definition of impact is a marked effect or influence. And and by this how is kind of the style of it. You know, it's not that you sing, but it's how how you get across. It's like how you create the message is the impact. Uh, the And I love this quote by Simon Sinek where he says, genius is in the idea. Impact, however, comes from action. So how do you action it? How do you action it all? Um, a lot of times I don't like to talk about my impact because I don't really even know my impact. I think someone outside of you has to kind of tell you your impact, you know, unless unless it's documented. But, you know, I can say that I hope that I encourage people to be themselves. I encourage people to follow their dreams. I would love to say I hope my impact is to convey that power doesn't have to be loud or brash, but that even in silence, there can be great strength. So you don't always have to be shouting at the top of your lungs to convey impact and power. Uh, But... And the ironic part is sometimes when you feel like you're barely being an inspiration to someone, someone is watching who is garnering so much from you. And and your story, your story is a source of encouragement to them. I, I can't remember. It's funny, when I came back from music school, so many people sent me messages, you know, young medical students who would DM me or send me Facebook messages pretty much saying that they were going to drop their musical instrument because of medicine. But then they heard about my story and they realized that they were going to juggle it and let's make sure that the two coexisted. And for me, that's huge. You know, if if I have a young, talented dancer in the world that I could have inspired to keep dancing while doing medicine, that's huge for me. Because that girl or boy could have stopped dancing and just gotten rusty and dance could have been the thing. So, you know, why stop? So so thank you to the people who reached out and and told me how I impacted them. Because, you know, it not only inspired you, I mean, all of that inspires me more than anything. You you helped me so much more to keep pushing, especially when, as a creative, you're in a low place because we wax and wane, can I tell you? So, question for you is, how can you impact if only just one person? Remember, you don't have to be a megastar or a public figure to impact anyone. You just have to decide that you're going to help just one person. And the truth is that you have so many skills that you can share and you might not think that you do. Your passion may actually be helping others. So look into yourself and think about how can you help one other person. All right, so moving to cornerstone number four, and that is legacy. And for legacy, I call that the memory. And the definition is something left or handed down by a predecessor. And I want to share a quote by Andy Warhol, which is, The idea is not to live forever, but to create something that will. It is powerful. The idea is not to live forever, but to create something that will. Hold on to that. Because I know when I leave this earth, I have my one debut album, Reggae Soul Volume 1, Me and Love. And that it's everywhere that people consume music now and that they can listen to it when they want to. If I'm not here tomorrow, they will hear the music. They will hear my voice. They will hear the lyrics. They will understand and appreciate my intention. And same thing with this podcast. I'm hoping that the conversations that we're having will kind of last a lifetime. And that within the conversations, we will document history. We'll share the voice of a wonderful gynecologist, my dad. 
uh, Wendell Guthrie, you know, the different friends and guests and people that came here to speak their truth at this time in Jamaica and, and what was happening in their minds. Uh, and as legacy goes, we just lost an amazing politician, Edward Siaga. And for those who don't like him, it's whatever. I, I'm not really politically affiliated. But nobody can deny that Eddie really left a legacy in, in community building, sports, music. Just such a wealth of, I don't know, knowledge, intelligence. So impactful, you know. And, and we're going to miss him. And we, we need more people like that in Jamaica. Let's not even talk about Sir Bob Marley because Bob Marley is still on the iTunes charts. Now, within the body of his music, the musicality, the lyrical content, his legacy has lived years and years and years and years posted and continues to impact the world. Um, it's, it's crazy, actually. And so the question I want you to ask yourself is, how do you want to be remembered when you're gone? And what can you create that will live on forever? Maybe you need to start writing that song or writing that book or creating that podcast or, or writing that memoir. And my advice to you is just, just start. And hey, with all this positivity, it sounds easy, but guess what? This is not going to happen overnight, right? So I'm going to share with you a T.D. Jakes quote, and it comes from his book, Soar. And he says, Undeniably, many of us have created our own chaos. Some of us are so busy trying to survive that we don't get a chance to rethink our goals and recalibrate our practices so as to be more fruitful and effective. I love the quote because this is the dark side of positivity, that no matter what anybody tells you to do, passion, purpose, impact, legacy, yeah, 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 yada, yada. You have bills to pay. You have a job to go to. You have a picnic to raise. You have so many other things that can trump trying to get your life in order as it relates to these cornerstones. But, you know, boy, if you can fulfill these cornerstones, I think you probably will never work a day in your life. So as you try to fine-tune your life, just remember that this is a journey and not a destination. So in every moment, there's so much to learn. Let me just do a recap. So we spoke about my life with PPIL, people, which I'm going to trademark so don't steal it. Passion, purpose, impact, and legacy, where I say the passion is the what that you love. The purpose is the why you're doing it. The impact is to how you deliver it. And the legacy is the memory that you leave behind when you're gone. And some of the tools that have helped me to kind of, you know, marinate and settle in my PPIL is journaling. I journal quite a bit. Um, not recently, but I used to do it pen and paper in book. But there are some apps like one called Journey. I've used the Journey app and it's that one is in the cloud. I'm going to put all of this stuff in the show notes so that people who kind of want to get a start with tools. You know, because I believe that when people say, let me work on myself, you know, it's not about just going home or taking a day off or going to the beach. Going to the beach and taking a day off is not working on yourself. Working on yourself is when you pick up some book that have some information where you never see before. Like how oh, may I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad right now? I may I learn about financial literacy? I may I realize if me to read this book from 18, I would have been much better off. Because I'm reading stuff now that I had never heard before or never heard presented in that way to create the light bulb is created in my mind. So some of the financial things I've done have been so careless, but now that's going to change. So find 
amazing books that motivate and educate you. Journal and write down everything because when it's on paper, it makes a big difference. It uses another one of your senses. You can come back to it and look on it. Don't just keep it in your head. Put it in a note. Put it somewhere where you can find it again because in a couple of years, you look back on the lists that you've created and you realize how many things you've crossed off or you realize how many things you haven't crossed off and that will get your ass in order once again. A meditation, however you do that, whether you pray, whether it's some form of yoga, whether it's some kind of activity that centers you, ensure that you meditate. Exercise and eat well. I go to the gym four days a week and sometimes even more than that. And I lift and I do cardio and I try to eat the best that I can. And it really makes you feel so good when you feel stronger and when you look better in the mirror, when you can fit into your clothes. All of it really is a mind, body, and soul experience. Do a personal workbook. This one is interesting. I stumbled upon two workbooks. The one I can remember right now is called the, the Blueprint. And what it did is that it challenged me to dig deep in different categories of my life because what it forces you to do is write down goals. Very specific, smart goals, if you know about smart goals. They have to be attainable and measurable and specific and they have to have a timeline attached to them. And this is in things like financial stuff, spirituality, relationships, big categories. And what you realize is that once you are able to figure out what you want and write it down or articulate it, once it becomes tangible and has a timeline attached to it, your whole mindset towards getting it done changes. So I'll put a link to the blueprint and I'm going to find a few others that I know and I'll try and put them in the show notes for you so you can have different options. Another thing I did to help settle me was starting to say no to the things that don't matter. I'm going to say to the things and people that don't matter or don't align with the direction that I was desiring to go in. So me knows that right now entertainment is my thing. So when somebody calls you and says, do you want to be a co-host for CVM? Of course you go and do it. You know why? Because you get TV exposure, you get paid, you learn to interview people, you learn to read a teleprompter. You just do a pros and cons list. And if your cons outweigh your pros, don't do it. And don't feel guilty about it. Let it go. You don't need it. And especially if it doesn't align. You know what I mean? It's not about even being paid. It's about alignment. So so when you're making decisions about even about parties, if you want to go somewhere, you might want to go X party and not Y party because there are things that exist in a certain party space that don't align with where you're going. Don't go. All right? Remove people from your life who don't support your dreams and who cannot be happy for you. Cut away the naysayers and nurture the ones that support you because trust me, those friends that call in and check in on you and make sure that you're fine, they're the real ones. The ones who tell you to write the book and do the podcast and tell you to get your shit together, keep them near to you. Use the stillness to search your soul for the answers to the hard questions. Isolate yourself if necessary and don't feel guilty about isolating. Sometimes you need to be alone or still in a loud room to find the answers. And at that time, you can probably work on your personal workbook like the blueprint. And once you answer the major questions, for example, what is your why? Then be deliberate, be organized, have a plan which you know can be broken, but have a plan. Be consistent and disciplined and focused and just put in the hard work and the rest will unfold. And you know why the rest will unfold? I'm going to insert quote here. The rest is going to unfold because 
when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. And that's by Paulo Coelho, the author of The Alchemist. And nothing, nothing is more true than that. When you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. When I decided to audition for music school, not knowing how I would pay for it, I went on faith and I got a partial scholarship. Every year I got a scholarship increase. By the time I left Berkeley, I was probably 60-70% covered by scholarship. And I wouldn't have known that unless I stepped out to step into that space of trying. So don't block yourself. Don't block yourself before you even enter. You know what I mean? So go for it. And our next one is interesting. Mind your business and mind your own business. And mind your business is for entrepreneurs. I'm stealing that from Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is mind your company. Take care of it. Nurture it. Build it and grow it. And mind your own business is still to people damn business because you don't want to be the middleman. Nothing ever good comes there. And finally, to wrap up this podcast, I want to remind you to absolutely, unconditionally, wholeheartedly love yourself. Love yourself, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. Love your skinny legs, love your big breasts, love your big nose, love your dark complexion, love your acne, love your fibroids, love every single piece of your backside self because at the end of the day, if you are pouring from this empty cup, it will be hard to refill anybody else. So, blessed love, I hope that this inspired you. So, you know, I hope it touched your soul and I hope if you're in a dark place and you feel lost, that it will help you to start structuring your life with four cornerstones, passion, purpose, impact, and legacy. And as you think about fleshing out each of those areas, that you will start to see what you want your life to become in 10, 20, 30 years from now and start making small steps to create that ultimate vision of the amazing human being that you are. So thanks again for listening to Talk Truth. As you know, we share our truth and you know what to do. Subscribe, like, follow, share, repost this content, take a screenshot and use the hashtag TalkTruthJA or MeTalkTruth and just tell your friends about it. And if there's anything in here that resonated with you, quote it and um, share it and let people know what's going on. Follow us on Twitter at TalkTruthJA. Follow me on Instagram at Mario Evan and leave a review on iTunes. I had no reviews to read this week. Nobody left a review on iTunes. I know for owner of iPhones. The analytics said that most people consume this on Apple Podcasts. People, go in there and write a review. Um, give me some star ratings. I want to read one next week. Until next time, guys, this is Talk Truth, a place where your truth can become your power and set you free. My name is Mario Evan. Until next Sunday, blessed love. <laughs>